Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with righteous judgment as we pick up in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. There are those who, in the name of the Lord, are doing crooked and perverse things. And if you talk to them about it, challenge them, they would be shocked. They would be disturbed. My brother, you know, you're judging me. Well, the Bible says judge righteous judgment. I, I think that we've been put off a long time because we, we are afraid of people saying, well, you're judging, you know. The Bible says, by their fruits ye shall know them. And it is wrong to use deceit and lies and gimmicks to try to extract funds from the people of God. In order to support your program, I don't care how righteous or good your program may be. My wife told me not to get into this tonight. It's right here in the scripture. It just came along. I just... uh... (laughs) I cannot understand men advertising their fasting and prayer. When Jesus said, when you fast, anoint your face, wash yourself, that you might look cheerful and all, that you don't appear unto men to fast. And your Father, which sees in secret, he'll reward you. And when you pray, don't go out on the street corner, but go into your closet and shut the door. And when some guy sends letters out all over the country saying, I'm going to spend some time fasting and praying, send me your request with your $50 check because I want to pray for you too. Something's wrong, desperately wrong. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But God declares, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, that is, the motivations, even to give every man according to his ways. Now, Jesus tells us that we are to be careful that we don't do our righteousness before men to be seen of men because we have a reward. Now, Jesus plainly warns us about that. There is a way that I can do my righteousness so that people see me and they say, oh my, isn't he spiritual? And we've got to watch out for this because it is such a deceiving, terrible thing. My old pride and my old flesh wants people to think that I am a spiritual man of God. I like people when I walk by to whisper, oh, isn't he spiritual? Ooh. Oh, my flesh just really enjoys that. And so it's easy for me to get little spiritual affectations that my mind isn't really necessarily upon God. 
as I stand there, you lift your head upward and close your eyes because that looks more spiritual. I wonder if people are seeing me now. Surely they'll know. You know I'm very spiritual. I hope they're watching. And then if you go up on your tiptoes, it even looks a little more, you know, spiritual. But my mind, what am I thinking? Am I thinking, I hope they're watching, I hope they see, I hope they notice, I hope they realize how spiritual I am? God said, look, I'm searching the heart. I'm trying the motives. Now, the Bible tells us that one day all of our works are going to be judged by fire. And much of what we have done is going to go poof. It's going to go up in smoke. Wait a minute, Lord. Did I, did I not prophesy in thy name? Didn't I work miracles in your name? Didn't I, you know, heal the sick in your name? Lord! I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. All of your works are wood, hay, and stubble. They were done to be seen of men. They were done for your own glory and to spread abroad your own name. You named your chapels and your universities and all after your own name. Sad. Sad. What a day of awakening it's going to be. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now, David, realizing this, realizing that he didn't even know his own heart because of the deceitfulness of the heart, said, Thou, O Lord, hast searched me, and you know me. You know my thoughts in their origins. Such knowledge, he said, is too great for me. I cannot attain it. I cannot really attain the true knowledge of myself. But then he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be some way of wickedness in me and lead me in your way eternal. Now the man who understands and knows that his heart is deceitful and desperately wicked is the man who will join David's prayer and say, Oh God, you search my heart. You, you know, you, you try me. And God, if there's something there that is wrong, is displeasing you, reveal it to me, Lord. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceiving myself. I don't want to stand before God and suddenly find all that I've done wiped out in a puff of smoke as the fire consumes all of that work of wood, hay, and stubble. Jesus said, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should be my disciples, that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That's what I want, remaining fruit. And so God help us. He's searching our hearts. He tries the rain and he's going to give to every man according to his ways. What's in my heart? Why did I do it? That's what's going to be judged. God is going to give to him according to the fruit of his doings. Now, as a partridge sits on eggs and doesn't hatch them, so is he that gets riches not by right, but by wrong means. He is accumulating wealth. He shall leave them in the midst of his days and at his end, he shall be a fool. 
A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. That place of our sanctuary is God's glorious high throne. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Takes us back to the first cry of God against Israel in that they have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out for themselves cisterns that can hold no water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. Behold, they say unto me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. As for me, I have not hastened from being a pastor to follow thee. Neither have I desired the woeful day. Thou knowest that. That which came out of my lips was right before thee. He's not rejoicing in the things that he is saying. Be not a terror unto me. Thou art my hope in the day of evil. Let them be confounded that persecute me, but let not me be confounded. Let them be dismayed, but let me not be dismayed. Bring upon them the day of evil. Destroy them with double destruction. Now the Lord spoke to him concerning the gates where the king went in and went out, and he said, Now go down to the gate, and when the king comes in, give him this message. Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go and stand in the gate of the children of the people, where the kings of Judah come in, and by which way they go out, and in all of the gates of Jerusalem, and say unto them, Hear ye the word of the Lord, ye kings of Judah and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that enter in by these gates. Thus saith the Lord, Take heed to yourselves, and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, neither do ye any work, but hallow ye the Sabbath day, as I have commanded your fathers. But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear. Now that is their fathers obeyed not. I, I told your fathers not to do this, God is saying, but they didn't obey me, neither did they incline their ear. But they made their necks, their necks stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. And it shall come to pass, if you diligently hearken unto me, saith the Lord, to bring in no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work therein, then shall there enter into the gates of this city kings and princes sitting on the throne of David, riding in chariots on horses, and they and their princes and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem in this city shall remain forever. God is still holding out the opportunity of, of salvation and hope to them. Even at this late stage of their backsliding, even when the judgment is hanging over their head, even when Babylon is marching to destroy this place, God is still holding out to them a hope. Just turn to me. Just obey me. And the gates here, the kings and the princes, will be passing through forever. You'll never be destroyed or put out of the land. God's mercies just are so extensive. They're right up until a moment a person dies. God extends his mercy. Oh, how merciful is our God. 
And they shall come from the cities of Judah and from the places about Jerusalem and from the land of Benjamin and from the plain and from the mountains and from the south, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices and meal offerings and incense and bringing sacrifices of praise unto the house of the Lord. It can happen. It can happen to you. Just turn back to me. Just obey my commandments. But if you will not hearken unto me to hallow the Sabbath day and not to bear a burden, even entering in at the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then will I kindle a fire in the gates thereof, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. Now in chapter 18, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Another vessel has seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Here again, as with Isaiah, the figure of the potter in the clay showing God's awesome sovereignty over man's destiny, God can make of you whatever he pleases. And as Paul the apostle said in Romans 9, Who art thou, O man, who says unto the Lord, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter the power over the clay to make of it whatever kind of a vessel he desires? In those chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans where Paul speaks of this awesome sovereignty of God over man, he uses the same figure of the potter and the clay. Now, with Jeremiah, it is interesting. God said, go down to the potter's house, and I'm going to speak to you there. He went down to the potter's house. He saw him as he was working a work on the wheels. So the three objects, the potter, the wheel, the clay, speak of God's dealing and working with man. The clay, a common worthless material in its native state. And yet a material that has a potential of great value and utility according to the skill of the potter. The potter, his total control over the clay to make of it whatever he desires. God's awesome power over our lives. The wheels the circumstances of our lives by which God molds and shapes us. Now, in this case, as he watched the potter, the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter. He was making this vessel on the wheel, but suddenly the vessel took a wrong shape. It maybe had a hard lump in the clay or something. The vessel was marred, and so the potter just took and crumbled the clay again or compacted it again and then made of it a vessel as was good unto him to make. And God spoke and said, Is not Israel, the nation Israel, like clay in my hands, 
And though Israel had been marred, yet God would remake them. He would work in them again, a new work. The vessel had been marred, but not to be discarded. God would work yet again in making them that which he desires and intended them to be. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. Now you remember in chapter 1 when God called Jeremiah, he said, I have called you over the nations. I've called you in his ministry was to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy. Now that's quite a ministry to be called to. <laughs> Uproot things, Jeremiah. Plug them up. Destroy them. You see, there comes a time when the system gets so corrupt, there's no renewing it. There's no reformation possible. It's gone too far. So before you can rebuild and plant and rebuild, you've got to just get rid of everything that is there. And that is what God is saying. They've gotten so bad, we're just going to have to get rid of it, go back to zero, and then we'll start all over again. But you've got to tear down, root out, destroy that which exists. So he brings him back to the first calling in chapter 1. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom? Verse 9, to build and to plant. So in verse 7, he speaks of, the, of that plucking up, pulling down, destroying. Now, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil and repent of that which I thought to do unto them, at, and at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If you do evil in my sight, that it not obey my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now therefore go and speak to the men of Judah and say to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return you now every one from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices and we will every one do the imagination of his evil heart. So they would not listen to Jeremiah. They said, there's no hope. You know, we're all going to go for it at this point. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, ask ye now among the heathen, who has heard such things? The virgin of Israel hath done a very horrible thing. Will a man leave the snow of Lebanon from the rock of the field, there shall the cold flowing waters that come from another place be forsaken. That beautiful crystal clear snow water that comes out of the ground at the base of the mountains there in Lebanon. Will a man leave that beautiful crystal snow water because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity. This is forsaking me, that fountain of living water. They have forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient past, to walk in the paths in a way not cast up, 
to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing, every one that passes by shall be astonished and wag his head. I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them my back and not my face in the day of their calamity. Then said they, when Jeremiah delivered this message to them, and then they responded saying, come, let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us smite him with the tongue and let us not give heed to any of his words. And so Jeremiah said, give heed to me, O Lord, and hearken to the voice of them that contend with me. Shall evil be recompensed for good? For they have digged a pit for my soul. Remember that I stood before thee to speak good for them and to turn away thy wrath from them. Now here, Jeremiah said, I've been interceding. I've been praying for them. And now they're devising to do me in, God. Remember how good I was, Lord, and remember how evil they are. verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Jeremiah in our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Jeremiah 17 through 18 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord... Cause his word to be established in each of your hearts and lives. And may you grow in grace and in knowledge of him. And may he with his cords of loving kindness just draw you unto himself. That you may ever experience a richer, fuller, deeper comprehension of that love that God has for you, his child. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. That is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, 
it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.